Let's just pray. Loving Father, thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for this wonderful story of this miracle. Open our hearts to hear what you might say to us this morning. We ask this in your name. Amen. So in our reading from Revelation, picture of Jesus, risen and ascended, who was and is and is to come. And in those three phrases, we have a picture that Jesus is from everlasting to everlasting, always will be, always is, always present. And it is in the context of that cosmic vision of who Jesus is that I want to talk this morning about something that might feel slightly less cosmic and slightly more pedestrian, one of the more everyday issues of our lives. But nevertheless, I don't want you to lose sight of that picture, that image of Jesus. I'm going to be talking about the necessary reality of our life together as a church congregation, how we maintain ourselves financially. It's important that we do talk about this, and it's important that we are straightforward and open about it. Actually, I don't think it's dull at all. I think it's really exciting because I have seen God do amazing things whenever we talk about the practical side of life. But I did choose that story especially, the feeding of the 5,000. And I chose John's version because it featured the child. There's so many aspects in this story that I find moving. But the overarching truth which is relevant to what we want to look at today, is that God is a God of extravagant generosity. He's not tight-fisted or calculating. He's not a just-enough kind of God. This crowd of people on whom Jesus had compassion, they were nothing very special. They were the unwashed and the unworthy. They weren't particularly, the, you know, they weren't the intellectual elite. They were just the poor of the countryside. And Jesus had huge, overwhelming compassion for them. And he bluntly tells his disciples to go and feed them. In fact, in John's version of this story, he asks his disciples to calculate how much it would cost to feed them. And you can just picture these disciples putting their heads together and going, oh, well, just do the maths. Oh, I don't know, what do you think? And if they had one mouthful each, they estimate, they come up and they go, eight months' wages. It's like, you know, they've shown their workings out in the margin. It's like, well, if they only have one mouthful each... This was very stingy economics. But what's obvious is that they felt the problem was completely beyond them. Jesus, meanwhile, knew exactly what he was going to do. He wasn't at all phased by the appearance of the crowd or by the need to feed them. But he was not going to conjure a meal out of nothing he insisted on starting with whatever the disciples could bring forward. Stage right, enter the child. Andrew brings forward this child with five small barley loaves and two small fish. Well done, Andrew. It was a bold move, but you can also perhaps see the other disciples' eyes rolling at this point. Like, really, Andrew, do you think... 
two, you know, five loaves, two fish, it's not going to go far. Even Andrew is rueful enough to say, well, it's not going to go very far among so many, is it? He's shuffling his feet and he's looking abashed. And we see the incredible generosity of God as Jesus takes the loaves and the fishes and doesn't apply a stingy economic scale, but but distributes them in a way that was beyond the disciples' wildest dreams. Not one stingy mouthful for each person, but 12 baskets left over. I was about to say that God does maths, and he's particularly good at multiplication. But actually, if getting just the right amount is being good at maths, then God's actually not very good at maths, because he's an abundant, extravagant God. He caters, he over-caters big time. And just to prove his point, he did the same at the wedding at Cana. So what we can take from this story is that God will always provide more than we need, but he does like us to get the ball rolling. Never, ever will he reject that whatever it is we offer to him as insufficient. Presumably for this little child, that was his whole lunch. He had set off expecting to feed himself, not 5,000 people. He, his was an act of incredible generosity, even though the amount was small. And we are called to acts of incredible generosity, whatever that equates to in actual terms of the amount that we give. Generosity is the example to follow. Now, I want to tell you a modern-day story of God's provision, which also includes the faith of a child. In my previous church, we began a redevelopment plan for our building because our building, I know this sounds ridiculous, but it didn't have a front door. It only had a back door. It had a bricked-up front door, which is not very welcoming. Um, So we started a project called Project Welcome, Uh, to open the front door. And the cost of this project was way beyond anything we had. Uh, From memory, it was roughly about £120,000. We launched this project at the end of a summer term, of a summer holiday. And during that summer holiday, a young friend of mine had been staying. She'd helped us with the children's holiday club. She's called Rosie. She lives in South Wales. She'd come to stay with us. Rosie is the youngest child of a single parent who at that time was putting herself through university full-time. So to say that they were financially challenged was probably an understatement. Nevertheless, Mum had managed to give Rosie some spending money for her summer holidays. At the end of the holiday club, having heard about Project Welcome, Rosie came to me and she handed me a £10 note which I assure you was a very large part of her holiday spending money. I'm sorry I'm a bit emotional. Rosie's not very well at the moment. But I was incredibly moved by Rosie's generosity. 
I didn't go like the disciples, oh, God, that's not much, is it? We've got to raise £120,000 here, guys. That's not going to go very far, is it? £10, that's not going to get us there. I didn't do that at all. I was touched beyond measure that Rosie, who didn't even worship at our church, would give so much from the little that she had. And I told that story in church the following Sunday morning. And I still do not know to this day how we raised the money for the door. I know that a good proportion of it eventually came through a grant. We were, we were subsequently awarded, but there was still a huge proportion that came in. But I know that Rosie's gift was the catalyst. It was the thing that started the ball rolling. There were commitments to regular giving that came in steadily after that Sunday. So I need to bring you up to date with the story of our particular situation here at the moment. I've been trying to get my head around this situation since I began here in July. And I don't want you to be worried and I don't want you to be anxious. But on the other hand, there's no point you just not knowing what the situation is at church. So if you're a visitor today and you've just come, please just, you know, this is, this is really for those who are part of our church family here. Putting it very simply, and you have got a leaflet, I hope, that you've been given this morning that puts this in more detail. Very simply, the money that we have coming in annually is not meeting our annual running expenses. So roughly, our annual expenses are somewhere between £65,000 a year to £73,000 a year. That was last year. It's all in the leaflet there for you. And the money that we've got coming in is not matching that by quite a long way, approximately half. So how on earth are we managing? You know, that doesn't the the, the budget doesn't add up. Well, the answer is that for the last three years, we've been plugging that gap in our finances by using capital funds that we have saved. We've been in an extremely fortunate situation. This is a very blessed church in that you do have good financial reserves. But as any family knows, running a budget, you cannot use your savings forever, even if you do have quite a large amount to start off with. The amount will dwindle very quickly if you are drawing off amounts between 18,000 and 30,000 a year just to cover your running costs. So for those of you who are not aware, about 30 years ago, this church was extremely blessed and received a very large sum of money. The idea behind that donation was that that sum of money would go towards the maintenance of the building and its upkeep. So it is that sum of money that we have been dipping into for our running costs. And this is our challenge. We cannot keep doing that if we are going to rise to the challenge of major capital expenses. I know that many of you have been part of the story of how are we going to get toilets into this church building? And we still want to do that. And we can afford to do that, which is good. And we're seeking to go ahead with that. But down the line, we also need to replace the lights. 
And further down the line, we need to become net zero efficient, which means we may have to take very major steps around the way the church is heated. The good news is we can do all that with the capital we've got. But we can't do that if we keep dwindling our capital. Let me just be clear. The decision was made about three years ago to invest in people, not just in buildings. And that investment, primarily that expresses itself as the employment of our church link worker, has been a good investment and we are committed to keeping that post and keeping Sarah in post. And at the time, there were many people who very generously gave one-off donations that enabled that ball to start rolling. But that has now become a running cost. There was never a decision taken. There There must be no blame and no judgment about how we got into this situation. But I want to reassure you, there's no no plan to reverse the decision to invest in people. We will continue to support Sarah as long as we can. We will continue, we will continue, but for how long if we don't manage over the next few years to balance our budget? I know now, And by the way, I know very little about anything personal because I ask not to know for reasons that you can probably work out, all right? I ask not to know who individuals are and how much they give, but I know that the giving now rests on relatively few shoulders. So, if you're part of our church family here today, what I'd like to ask you today is could you respond to this story and the story of God's extravagant generosity in one of two ways? If you already give regularly, could you review how much you can give? Could you increase? If you don't give regularly, would you like to consider doing so? Absolutely all the information you need is in that leaflet that you've been handed. So I'm not going to go over it except to say that if you need a parish giving um, pack, I've got a few of them. Please do think about using the parish giving scheme because it vastly improves life for our treasurer. It enables him to claim that the gift aid is paid to us much more regularly and he doesn't have to do that process. Um, So Um, please do use that if you possibly can. But there are plenty of other ways in which I've put in that leaflet. I do understand also, please, I understand that during the pandemic, many people's circumstances will have changed quite dramatically and possibly for the worst. So it may be that you need to reduce the amount that you give. Maybe you've already done so. Please don't be anxious God is good at multiplication. He just wants us to give what we can, and he takes what we give him, and he multiplies it. So you can also sign up online with to give as you live. That will help if you're doing some Christmas shopping um, online with a variety of stores. Look up give as you live, sign up, and then the church gets a donation. That's another way. We're going to create some ways in which 
Visitors can easily give through contactless payment. We're just waiting for Wi-Fi in church to make that possible. We'll also have an online giving page on the website. So I do understand, though, that there are many reasons that for individuals it might be difficult, particularly if your partner or your spouse doesn't worship with you here and your finances are combined. So please don't anyone go away with either worry or fear in your mind. But please would everyone go away and pray. Because I think there is a huge amount of life and potential and all sorts of joy and blessings that God wants to pour out on this congregation. So I really want to give you a sense of hope. I have every confidence, not in the deep pockets and generous hearts, although I'm sure there are many of you with deep pockets and generous hearts. My confidence is in God. God can do the maths. God can do multiplication. I don't want you to be worried or afraid for he who says that, that he can do more than all we ask or imagine. So let's just take a moment of quiet before we move on in our service. <clears throat>